1: to win $500,000. That's what we're talking about this week on Stealing Bananas. That's right. We're going to walk through a draft. I'm Ben Gretsch. As always, you can find me on Twitter at Yards per You can find my, stubs, my sub stack, my newsletter at bengretsch.substack.com. I'm joined, as always, by Sean Siegel. You can find all his work at Rotovis. And we're also joined by a Roto-Viz OG. Sometimes people call me Rotoviz OG. I'm not a true OG. This guy is a true Rotoviz OG. He he was around when Sean and and the Fantasy Douche and John Moore and Matthew Friedman were starting it up. It is Davis Maddock, one of our one of our best buds in the industry. Davis, how you doing?
2: Well, people forget because I didn't make up any cool metrics or any cool controversial strategies. You know, I was I was actually the guy grinding out your your player profile pieces back in the day you know like i was the guy telling you to draft toby gerhardt as your your zero running back target so so people forget but it is true an actual road og one of the one of the first i think six guys uh back in the day so uh, always excited to do shows with you guys very excited to win half a million dollars and also very excited to be the running back guy in the room i i was telling Corrine on a show yesterday, I was like, you know, when I draft with him and Pete, I'm kind of the running back guy. But then when I draft like with Leone or something, then I'm the guy who's like, no, no running backs, wide receivers. But definitely with these three, I'm going to be, I'm, I'm the, the furthest on the running back spectrum of the three of us.
3: Well, Davis, I, I mean, I don't know if you're giving yourself enough credit for back at the beginning, right? You're one of the big leaders of team big wide receiver. And we had JJ on the show Recently, he was pointing out that that's still the way to go. People are, are getting too excited about these small, fast, wide receivers.
2: Yeah. No, that, that is legit. We, we went uh, overboard the other way, honestly, because of Odell Beckham. Because at, at the time when we were having all these discussions, we were all saying Odell Beckham was too small, and Odell Beckham has the one the one-handed catch against the Dallas Cowboys on national television, and everyone went too far the other way. But if we're looking at the NFL draft now, what what is the NFL draft really valued the last two years? Speed.
1: I mean, what what was the over under on
2: on getting Odell Beckham into this show though? Like certainly <laughs> before his ADP, certainly before his ADP, Greg. Yeah, no no doubt about it.
1: We're we're about to start here a draft, and, and just to give the listeners an idea, we're gonna walk you through our whole process as we draft. We're gonna cut it up into a couple different shows. Uh, we're picking out of the 12 hole. We are doing uh, a Football Guys Championship right uh, team tonight, and yeah, I mean, out of the 12 hole, certainly we, we've talked a little about how this makes for a really, a really interesting zero RB discussion. But we're really excited about this first turn because Davis has already brought up running backs as a potential option. Um, we're going to start here in about four minutes, so we want to talk through sort of our our early draft sort of targets and, and structure and strategy as we get going. Um, Davis, why don't you kick us off? What, what are you thinking?
2: So, of course, I am in agreement with all tenets of the zero running back strategy. Running backs are more likely to bust. Running backs are more likely to be injured. Most of the bad selections in the first six rounds of fantasy drafts are running backs. They're all historically bad bets, et cetera, et cetera. I agree with all of this. And I think you're really put in a vice grip at pick 10, 11, and 12 because you're being asked to make even worse bets or to reach on a guy you view as a good bet. For me, that would be someone like Antonio Gibson, who I actually view as a really good bet, but you're paying a terrible price for him. Uh, Like I think Antonio Gibson will, at the end of everything uh, in Football Guys stuff, have an average draft position outside of the first round. Um, But the, the contrary to all of this is, of course, the guy you have to have to win these events a lot of the times does tend to be a running back, whether it is Christian McCaffrey, as many people expect. But by and large, uh, the guy you end up having to have does become a running back. And very rarely are you finding that guy later in drafts. So I tend to be more of the hero RB style drafting.
3: So Davis, Jonathan Taylor falls, and his ADP in this contest is a little bit later than it seems like it should be. He has the week 14 by, that's the championship round of the regular season playoffs, which explains a little bit why he would go down. Saquon Barkley, if he falls because of injury concerns, I think that's a, a pretty straightforward pick. His ADP is a little bit lower because of that. I was kind of looking at this, I was trying to figure out how we could work a running back in here, because as Ben has sort of pointed out in our pre-draft prep, starting with Diggs-Adams, right here, I think gives us so many potential points that we could look back and be like, well, well, these were the guys. These were the running backs. They just were at wide receiver. I was kind of looking through trying to figure out how he could work somebody else in. Antonio Gibson, we love. We have talked about him as someone who could be the hero RB for this year, but I do have eight wide receivers ranked ahead of him, and then the other kind of interesting guy now that Akers is out of the equation is Clyde Edwards-Alaire. We'd be reaching around. We basically wouldn't have a first round pick or we'd have a first round pick and then a very late second round pick. So late, late if we go with him. I was looking at my rankings. I love him, but I actually have him ranked at like 311, 312 right there with ETN who obviously is, is going so much later. We get him at the 3-4 turn. How, how, how should we factor in? I mean, look, don't, don't get me wrong.
2: If you're talking about doing something crazy with Clyde Edwards Hilaire, I'm ready to click that button with you. I mean, he is my he is my most drafted player thus far this year, so I I agree with that thesis statement just out of the gate.
1: What? How do you feel about um, the high end wide receivers as we as we you know the we, we should probably zoom in on which running backs uh, as we start to approach it w- would be worth taking. But I do, Sean and I have talked a little bit about we think that really with Hill and Diggs, that they might just be so far above the other so much better. Yeah. And then Adams now too, now that it it feels like we're heading towards Rogers coming back that we might have this tier of three that it's legitimately worth going very high in drafts, potentially as high as the top five as Sean and I've talked about on the show Uh, to get two of them at the turn seems pretty, pretty appealing. What like, Where, where do you like? Is it like? Are the if we could get two of those three? Does that appeal to you, or is there like?
3: Are you? Would you still want to go running back? The other thing, just to throw out here, right, is that there are a lot of exciting wide receivers. I I think the wide receiver one tier really is separated from the rest of the group this season. But by the three-four turn, those guys are completely gone. Right. So if we – at 3-4, we'll be wiped out in terms of star wide receivers. What do you
1: think, Davis, about – we start with Dalvin Cook and Christian McCaffrey going one oh two, which is kind of interesting. But, yeah, what do you think about that, Davis?
2: No, I, I think Sean is – I think Sean is clearly right. I think that in terms of wide receivers you expect to – who in the, even in their range of outcomes, they have an absurd you-had-to-have-them season, I, I think it's done after – after A.J. Brown, DK Metcalf, Justin Jefferson, and CeeDee Lamb go, I think that is where the truly elite tier of wide receivers leaves the draft. And then I think everyone else after that is like, I, it might not add up to wide receiver one or two, but I think those guys then become the wide receiver two. Um, and I think that our cue as we have it now Tyreek Diggs, Adams, Hopkins, Ridley, Justin Jefferson, A.J. Brown, DK Metcalf, and CeeDee Lamb are the elite fantasy football wide receivers and then everyone else is a, is a group below that so I, I agree with the point so i have no problem double tapping wide receiver here um and it's specifically if it's tyreek and Diggs. i am a little bit lower on adams not only because there is some chance of Rodgers not playing but also it's you know we really don't have to go far that back in time for aaron Rodgers to be playing poorly um, i was i was talking about this with ben baldwin this morning actually like a couple of years ago, Rodgers was like a, a slightly above-league average quarterback, which, you know, not great.
1: Yep, and, and we are through six picks. Terry Kill just went off the board. We already have Austin Eckler off the board, which is a back that Davis mentioned uh, being a potential target. So it seems Sean and I have dodged one bullet so far. Um, he went 104. Both Kelsey and Waller are also off the board early
3: in this draft. Is anybody on George Kittle as a trunk. Yeah. yeah, I don't hate it. Yeah, I'm
1: certainly interested in tight end premium. I mean, I think getting any of the three elite tight ends is a massive win. That's the other guy that honestly, I, I prefer to a running back, frankly. <laughs> when we start talking about how far down the zero running back uh trail we want to go, I think there is such an advantage. The way I phrase that is there is bust risk at tight end and kill's gotten hurt recently, but if he's healthy, I'm pretty much certain that he's going to provide me an edge at tight end over most of my league whereas at running back you have to have the guy stay healthy and also be very very good which a lot of the running backs wind up not being
2: to have it be a year where there are not obvious zero rb candidates showing up like like the for example the existence of james robinson last season made someone like derrick henry less impactful
3: yes where are you on this 49ers offense altogether but which, which pieces of it do you like if any if any all of them at ADP. I, 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 not
2: sermon so much, but all the rest of them. I uh, S- Samuel, IU Kittle, Mostert, Lance, all of them.
1: So Kittle goes and Diggs goes, and the two picks before us. We're on the clock. We're staring down but Jonathan I, Taylor and
2: potentially Adams. I, I do. Ju- Barkley's there. And but, do you want to go Taylor Barkley? I feel like that's maybe too far. That's maybe too robust. But I mean, I would do it. sean has got his hands on his head. He's thinking about it. <laughs> sean, if you do
3: it, I co-sign. Well, I, just how crazy. I mean, these guys should be the, the the three and four overall picks. If not for these, and having Barkley, lets us not worry about Taylor as much in the fantasy finals. And then we can really kind of do. I mean,
2: and having Taylor makes Barkley starting out the season slow not really matter. I love it. Let's do it. Yeah, I mean, if Sean's on board, I'm I'm very much on board. And then we 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 literally probably don't have to take a running back now until round eleven. These,
1: or 12. I, I'm very much on on these two players. Uh, we've talked about them a little bit on the show. Sean wrote an awesome article on Jonathan Taylor and how he could be the guy that that really should be going third, as you said, Sean, uh, just a minute ago. And then Barkley, obviously, we know again, we're we're, we're basically making bets on on. Talent on talent winning out on these guys being phenomenal. I mean, they were both arguably generational prospects. You know, that's such a silly phrase, right? But um they, they both have the potential to have peak career seasons, obviously, at any point. And if they have them this year, their peak career season could just be mo- monstrous, especially from an efficiency
3: perspective, I think.
0: Hey, RotoViz radio listener, this is Curtis Patrick from the Dynasty Command Center podcast, and I've got a special deal for you today. Go to rotoviz.com click the subscribe button, put the 12 month subscription in your cart and use promo code RVRadio21. That's RVRadio21 and you're gonna save 10%. (laughs) Taking advantage of this deal, getting your hands on what's included in the package is the best way to enhance your performance this year. So go to rotoviz.com and subscribe now.
3: I don't necessarily think that you have to have a running back who goes off in the fantasy playoffs to win one of these contests. We're going to see a wide receiver do it. We're perhaps going to see a couple wide receivers do it. But I mean, if you're ever gifted a situation where you could actually have a shot at two running backs who could be the guy, they could be the guy together, they could be the guy individually, and they could both bust, right? But we're going to actually draft a team from this point that gives us a shot, even if these guys don't play out, right? I mean, I think that because we have... It's going to be very fun to draft a lot of receivers from here. <laughs> and with you know preseason waivers, with waivers throughout the season, I mean, at this point, when I start running back, running back, I like to think in terms of maybe only having three running backs total in the draft. Is that is that too far out of bounds? Just depends on how this
2: draft falls in you know, round 16, 17, 18, 19, 20. Like if our, if our league is leaving us like actual upside wide receivers or tight ends at that point, then I'm not going to argue for a running back just for the sake of them. The The counterpoint to that would be we are drafting this early training camp. You know, the the Cowboys and the Steelers, I think report to training camp here in a couple days there. We've already seen Cam Akers tear his Achilles, right? That is not gonna be the first running back injury and it's not gonna be the last running back injury. Wide receivers will appreciate some as a result of these training camp injuries, but they would not appreciate in the same way. Like, just for example, were were, uh, Stephon Diggs to be injured in training camp in a severe way, Gabriel Davis, Manny Sanders, Cole Beasley would all appreciate some, but neither of them would be a top 50 pick. Cam Akers tears his ACL. And Daryl Henderson, I think, is going to settle as a top thirty pick by the time we get to September first.
1: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Obviously, that is like one of the huge tenets of of zero RB. But I think I'm siding with Sean here. Where now that we have these two guys, we've made the bet. You know, sort of on these guys. We right. We don't. We don't really want to be flexing a running back. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like obviously, that doesn't mean that. How how robust can we get? (laughs) <laughs> if we hit on on a player late, a running back late, that becomes Daryl Henderson, and then you have three great running backs, like, okay, fine, that's, that's great. Uh, but I do, yeah, I, I lean more towards, like, do we even need another running back in a managed league? Do we even need a third? Like, uh, I, I now want to make sure we're very deep at
3: receiver. Well, one of the things that does happen is that we do run out of wide receivers, I think, before running backs. And so there's a, a decent possibility that we'll actually want the running backs late that you know a darrington evans a hubbard you know those kinds of guys if they're still on the board when i mean all the legitimate wide receivers are gone then i think that becomes a no-brainer but yeah through a big portion of this draft it's going to be a lot of fun we can go receiver 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 you don't have to worry about pivoting i had a couple of questions davis we didn't get kittle and so at the turn here like I mentioned, one of the the, the bad things about we just did is that all of the receivers we like in terms of really wanting to draft are probably going to be gone at the three four, including Lamb, who I'm just dreaming of will last once to this spot. It would be amazing. How big is the gap for you between Lamb and Amari Cooper, who probably will be there?
2: It it is a gap. Like I think that people who act like there is not a gap and that they expect the production to be equal are wrong. Um, like I I would anticipate. If they both stay healthy for 17 games, for Lamb to produce more. But I also think, obviously, the odds of Amari Cooper staying healthy for 17 games are lower than the odds. But I, I certainly Amari Cooper at at three twelve. It's a pick I would make, no problem. I mean, the way that at I w- le- go ahead, yeah, sorry. go ahead, Ben.
1: Oh no, I was gonna say the way that I would describe that is, I think the the top five overall wide receiver outcome, and I made this point as well lately. I think it's higher for Lamb. I think because Lamb was such a great prospect, and Amari was once upon a time, but we've seen several years now that he's kind of settled in as a guy that I think his career high is right around 250 um, fantasy points, if I'm not mistaken, in, in PPR. He hasn't really had like that 300-point season. He might have that now, but like Lamb legitimately could be a top-five receiver in the league with, with the profile he had coming in and how good he was early last year. Like he – if one of these guys is an absolute monster, I think that's where that's where I differentiate is that I think it would be Lamb. Agree. What do you think about that take, though,
3: Sean? I want to hear your take on that, Sean. Oh, I have Lamb way above Cooper, so I just I'm always kind of trying to make sure I get feedback from everybody, and and I know Davis is a Lamb guy too, and so you know getting feedback to confirm your bias isn't necessarily the best, but I we do. I think it was JJ who said that Cooper is someone that you still really want to target. Um, I don't really like him at the 3-4 turn either. I prefer him sort of late in the fourth round, so it makes a a tricky pick for us coming at this spot. So Pitts does go off the board here, just to update people in terms of how this draft is progressing. We have the normal picks through round two. And Lamb's off the board, too. Oh, yeah. So Edwards-Alaire closes out round two. There's no dream scenario where we do start with the three running backs. We have Pitts at the 301, Jefferson 302, Liam 303, Michael Thomas 304. With the tight end premium, where are you on TJ Hawkinson, Davis? So he took a little bit of a step forward. He's gonna I have. Do not, I do not want him here yet. at all. Yeah. So with Jerry, Jerry Goff does not make Hawkinson the next Kittle, is what you're saying? No, I think I think
2: like that's the point. Is like maybe had Matthew Stafford stayed, maybe had Galladay stayed, and the offense resembled something with even Marvin Jones stayed, right? But now it's like okay, you're asking T.J. Hawkinson to be like this 140 target guy. Jared Goff is probably going to be bad. The offensive line's probably not going to be great. Like it's it's the, he will have good target volume, but it will be very empty calories. And like you know, one of these you guys talk about this is like so take the better football player. But like even if you wanted to get uh, less granular than that and zoom out even more, it would be take guys on good teams and the lions are going to challenge the Texans for being the worst team. And I just do not want to spend a top, you know, 75 pick on guys on bad teams. So we could get creative and
1: and reach a little bit here. And, um, some of the guys that I really like that are going before we would ever get a chance at them at the five, six include Godwin, DJ Moore, T Higgins. Um, maybe Higgins would fall way back there. Uh, Where does
3: Mark Andrews go? So in the last week, Andrews has been in the middle of round four. DJ Moore is the 412. Higgins is the 509. I just don't think there's any way for him to get back. I have him ranked in the second round. And I try not to take people like almost a full two rounds ahead because you're going to be in more drafts. And so you can take him in different places. But I also think now that we've started Barkley-Taylor, I mean, we're going to have a somewhat unique lineup anyway, I would think, but I don't think we want to get overly concerned about getting the best ADP value. You know, if we right. thought that DJ Moore and T Higgins were the two best guys on the board, I think that we should take them. I'm comfortable with that. I, I don't know about, about you
1: Davis, but I, I also do like the, the Hawkinson move, but Davis is, is pretty out on that.
2: I mean, I just have Mark Andrews. Proje- I have Mark Andrews projected not actually as the fourth tight end. I actually have him projected as the third tight end. Um, because I have the Ravens being so efficient, like so I who, am ahead of it Where would
1: you be at receiver then?
2: If we, we I, I would take uh, DJ Moore would be the one I like the most, but I'm cool. I'm cool with T too. I, I have no argument. I have no argument. I, I agree with Sean's analysis on T. Everything he said is is true.
3: Well, do, do we on. have a situation where? So I'm going to go ahead once we run the clock down and take DJ Moore, and then we can get to this other pick and just kind of actually have an extra 15 seconds or so. 15 seconds. Do you have a take on the the Buccaneers? Do you like them to be this massive offense for 2021? I like, I, like to have, Evans here?
2: I like to have a good bit of Godwin in the best ball profile, but I just, it, you know, it really feels like you're just walking the razor's edge with the 46 year old quarterback, you know, like at any time, Blaine Gabbert could be in there, but I, I mean, Godwin is amazing. God, Godwin is an amazing football player. Um, he will sign a huge contract after this season. I, I like Godwin quite a bit. Godwin, Higgins, Andrews—I'm happy with any of them here. But I'm using a veto on TJ Hawkinson. So and then um, we've
3: got we've got Godwin, Higgins, Andrews. We've got 30 seconds. Who are we looking at?
2: I—I
1: I, I would, I guess, veto Andrews then, because I'm—I—I I'm, I, I don't know. I'm spare. So it's Godwin or Higgins. I'll let you break the tie, Sean. Godwin is the ADP pick.
3: Higgins is the one that that you're extremely bullish on. Yeah, I. I think, uh, well, let's take Godwin here, and we'll see what happens. See what happens. More Godwin is back a pretty fun room. turn.
1: Those guys were going, uh, you know, last off season, especially in Dynasty. Those guys were going, you know, at the one-two turn. I, I think in redraft, T.J. Moore was going a little later, but Godwin was the second-round pick in, in redraft. It didn't have that bad of a year, and to get them
3: at three-four is, I think, is perfectly fine. And let's make the full argument quickly here for DJ Moore. Uh, for anyone who missed the show when our yards per, or, sorry, for anybody who missed the show when our Gretch Me If You Can segment was been calling out DJ Moore as the next guy, we wanted Stefan Diggs in part because we promote him every season. And if we're right, then it's very fun. But <laughs> beyond that, we want Stephon Diggs because his profile showed across different years that when they used him underneath, he was awesome underneath. When they used him as a vertical receiver, he was an awesome vertical receiver. But why are they not using him on both? DJ Moore has a very similar profile where when they've used him underneath, he's been a star. When they've used him deep, he's been very effective in that route. He's good before the catch. He's good after the catch. He could flip-flop target numbers with Robbie Anderson this year, and then grow a little bit with Curtis Samuel being gone. If Sam Darnold improves on Teddy Bridgewater and more actually catches some touchdowns, you're looking at a wide receiver three overall type of finish.
1: Completely agree.
3: Just yeah, C- couldn't agree more.
1: That's that's that top five ceiling that I, I think it's similar to lamb, frankly. Um, And, and, you know, we, we didn't get a chance at lamb. Uh, but in this build, I think it's a, it's a really fun, a really fun upside receiver after, you know, missing out on some of the other guys that that has the potential to be a ceiling player. He might be that superstar.
3: That will do it for today's special FFPC draft episode of Stealing Bananas, where we try to win the half a million dollars with special guest Davis Matic. I'm Sean Siegel and with me is Ben Gretsch, whom you can follow at Yards for Gretsch to follow our draft exploits and get the next episode when it releases subscribe to Stealing bananas. We've reached the end of our rate and review contest where you can win a six month subscription to Rotoviz by reviewing the show and promoting it in some manner on social media. But we're keeping it open for one more week since this is the draft special that we're focusing on this week instead. Make sure to subscribe to Stealing Signals, the most innovative newsletter in the industry. And I can say that since this is me and not Ben, but if you've read it, you will know that to be the case. If you want to read my newest article on how to dominate out of the 12 slot, which was something we were faced with today, you can get a 10% discount to Rotoviz with the code RVRADIO2021 at checkout. We'll see you soon.